How far I'm UK and this is the ITK podcast. There's a subculture that exists in the cities of Brazzaville and Kinshasa that's all about socializing and most importantly, the drip. And it's called La Sap. La Sap is short for Société des Ambiances et des Personnes Elegantes, which is simply French for Society of Ambiance Makers and Elegant People. And so all my French listeners are just cringed at my really terrible attempt at speaking French. Well, if it makes you all feel any better, none of my best friends are French. Now, if you see members of La Sap dress, you know, if they're male, they're called sappers. If they're female, they're called <laughs> sappers. Sapus. I don't know how I missed that, but yes reiterating what i said earlier if they're male they're called sappers and if they're female they're called sapus now one thing you absolutely notice once you take a look at pictures of you know sappers or sapus is you notice right of all their style of dressing which is always insane like that's why i call it drip because that's what it is it's straight up drip you notice that they're all decked out in like really elegant three-piece suits. They have silk socks on. Their shoes are impeccable. And the greatest thing about, you know, their sense of fashion is just the colors they pull off. It will be colors, first of all, I would definitely never be brave enough to try on. But their colors are always incredible. And... That's part of the that's part of the reason why La Sap is unique because it's not just about the dresses and the meetups and the social aspect of it. It's also about turning your dressing into an art form or a form of expression. You can trace the origin of La Sap subculture to the early twentieth century when young men who were members of the Bakungu ethnic group in the Congo started to pick up the fashion of the French colonizers and it was specifically those who had either worked with the colonizers or who were returning from Paris after spending time in France again working for the French colonizers and there's a very specific reason for this because at that period in time a lot of them weren't paid in money for whatever services or work they were doing for the colonizers. The colonizers, being who they are, felt it was fair sometimes to pay these young men in used clothing instead. So being, you know, who we are as people, they obviously adapted to their circumstance. And in addition to being inspired by European fashion at that period in time took the used clothes that they were given and basically started a whole subculture from it, using it to a lot of times express themselves. Now, these young guys quickly switched things up after adapting because they dropped their 
secondhand clothes that they had been given as payment and started actually acquiring the latest fashion from Paris as part of their subculture. And that's also a very big part of the whole LASAP culture. It's all about getting the latest stuff and showing off the latest designers. And I'm not talking about, you know, vulgar, Gucci, Versace branding. I mean, classic European brands like J.M. Weston, which I found out from doing research for this episode, their shoes cost upwards of $600. And one thing you should know about La Sap culture is they wear originals when they are wearing originals. If they're not wearing originals, they are wearing stuff they made themselves. You're not going to catch a quote-unquote respectable member of the La Sap society wearing fake stuff. One, you will get roasted by by others because from experience, these guys are really good at spotting fakes. And two, who wants to be that guy walking and wearing fakes? Now, after the subculture was born in the early 20th century, it was really influenced during the 1930s by a Congolese revolutionary called Andre Matsua. Now, he was at that time the head of an organization called Lamikau, which was an anti-colonial movement that was formed in Paris in 1926 by him. And the main focus of this group at the time was to help Africans that were new to Paris get settled in the city because at that point in time, they were not welcomed by the French. And new African migrants to Paris faced a high degree of danger from either imprisonment or deportation. Until this day, Andre Matsua is seen as the first great sapper by sappers and sapus alike. Side note, it's very hard for me as a native English speaker. Every time I try to say the plural of sapus, because for some reason my brain wants to add the letters E and S at the end of it when I'm trying to say the plural form. And I've, and being the 12-year-old I am, I feel like if I say that on the podcast, this episode is going to go off the rails. So I'm just trying to let you all in on my little struggle right now. Anyways, back to La Sap culture. Now, by the 1970s, this is when La Sap culture got to Kinshasa because prior to this, it was exclusively a movement in Brazzaville and French Congo. While it hadn't yet touched down in Kinshasa and Belgian Congo. So by the time the 1970s came and it arrived in Kinshasa, this is when La Sap became an interesting part also of Congolese rumba music. And even till today, it's still a major part of that with a famous La Rumba musician like Papa Wemba. He's a famous supporter of La Sap in Congo. Now, at this point, I'm sure you're probably thinking that La Sap is something that's done by the elite in Brazzaville and Kinshasa. But actually the opposite. It's something that's done by the everyday men. I mean, the taxi drivers, 
the grave diggers, traders. This is what they do. They basically, it's very interesting to look at because if you w- watch documentaries about this, you see that these guys save up, like they spend years. Those one I was watching on this guy, he's from Brazzaville and he saved for two years to be able to afford a pair of JM Weston shoes. Those shoes cost about, I think, upwards of $750. And this was a guy with a wife and kids, and it was still his priority, which, like any other subculture and stuff that is positive, there's also the interesting drawbacks to it or the negatives that you see it has on the members' lives because these are the everyday people. They're buying designer materials, designer shoes, jackets, suits, whatever. And they're buying originals too, so these are not fakes. So they have to save up, which then creates an interesting dilemma because a lot of them go into debt just to be a member of this group. It becomes an obsession. You would see people like the guy I mentioned earlier. He saved up for two years. He even said himself during the interview that he could have used the money to buy land, to buy a car, but he felt that for his own self-esteem, it would be better buying a Western shoe. And his case is not unique at all. There suppose that like i said they'll borrow a lot of money to be able to afford the luxury lifestyle that comes with it and end up going into serious debt and a lot of them go to jail some those that have families neglect their kids by not paying school fees and stuff or they starve so it makes it a bit conflicting you know learning about the subculture because one on one side, you appreciate how creative these guys are. And then when you take into consideration the history behind the movement, why it's a thing, you appreciate it more. But you feel conflicted because these guys, all of them are barely living above the poverty line. Most of them are, in fact, below the poverty line. Yet they still are obsessed with this lifestyle they can barely afford and just struggling to keep up with it. An interesting thing you even see when looking at the culture itself is that it exists both in Brazzaville and Kinshasa. Brazzaville, obviously, if you didn't know, is the capital of the Republic of Congo and Kinshasa is the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now... Fun fact, they're the two closest capital cities in the world because if you look at the map, Brazzaville and Kinshasa are so close to each other, they're just only separated by a river between them. So when I found that out, it was so cool to learn because it's like, oh, wow, the two Congos, their capitals are literally on the other side of the river from each other. And obviously the river in this case is the river Congo, if you're wondering. But... Despite the fact that the cities are that close, they're entirely different when you look at them. Kinshasa is, I wouldn't say mini Lagos, but Lagos is the most apt comparison you can make to Kinshasa. While on the other hand, Brazzaville 
is a lot more tame and less chaotic than Kinshasa. And you can see that style reflected in the Lassap culture in both cities. Sapos and Sapus from Brazzaville, they love the Eurocentric style where, you know, the classic men's fashion, quote-unquote, the three-piece suits, the silk, so the silk socks, the bowl hats, hats and whatnot. But then when you go to the other side of the river, the subculture there is entirely different. People from there favor the Japanese designer Yoji in their own dress inspirations because they feel his chaotic fashion style kind of fits in best with Kinshasa's chaotic way of life. Which is I've really cool in my opinion how the environment around them shapes the subculture. And despite the fact that the both cities are so close to each other, the subcultures within them are entirely different. And honestly, man, if you want fashion inspiration, I would really recommend looking up Sapos and Sapus on Pinterest, Instagram, because I'm not kidding when I say these guys have the drip and it's no joke. Despite the fact that, you know, I may have made a little sort of shade at them at the start of the episodes by saying they throw on colors that I would not be brave enough to wear. But even within that, they still have quote-unquote rules, one of, one of which is you can't wear more than three colors at a time. So despite the fact that you might see a sapor dressed in an orange suit, honestly, it still looks clean. And there's still a certain order to it. And you can still appreciate the art in it, I'm telling you. It's incredible. And though I know a lot of these guys might be struggling to afford this lifestyle, I still enjoy it. I enjoy looking at it. And I have, from the little I've researched so far, I appreciate the culture and what it stands for too because for a lot of these guys, like I said, they're obviously not that well off economically or financially. But being a sapper, getting to dress up once a week, because obviously they don't dress like that every day. They have, it's like a social club. So they have days like maybe a Friday or a Thursday where they're all dressed like that and they gather and meet each other and, you know, have drinks and socialize. And I appreciate that because, like I said, for a lot of these guys, it's an escape from the chaotic and depressing world that they live in so being able to have one day out of the week or every two weeks where you get to dress up and express yourself and just enjoy a different culture with your friends makes it worth it and honestly i can't hate on that despite the negative drawbacks with people obviously burning through life savings and not being smart economically I can't judge them for that. Like, you know how the saying goes, food is temporary, but honestly, the drip is forever. I'm UK, and this has been the ITK Podcast. Mm-hmm.